Hi everybody, Chris Gathard here. Welcome to another episode of New Jersey is the World. So psyched to be here, bringing you our weekly breakdown of all things Jersey, whether that's food, history, culture, current events, interviews with interesting people, whatever, whatever it is, we do it because we love this state. And if you don't know the history of this show, it was kind of a thing to kill time during the pandemic. And then we realized it became a great way to hang out with old friends. And it seems like a lot of other people like that feeling of hanging out with old friends and talking shit about New Jersey. And I want to also give a little shout out right away. We have been getting messages from people who aren't in New Jersey, don't have any connection to New Jersey, who have been reaching out lately. I've seen a little uptick of people going like, I live in Arizona and I love your show and I don't know why. And to all you people who don't know any of these references, God bless you for listening. I can't imagine what you're getting out of this. For the people in Jersey, want to give a huge thank you to everybody who came out to Ghost Hawk Brewing on Saturday night. Our own Carson Cop organized a show, just kind of told us he was doing it. He was like, hey, on the 7th of October, we're throwing down. We had bands play Secret Country and Brewster. They were all so nice. I saw a bunch of Old West Orange people there, bunch of listeners, bunch of people who are sort of connected to the show. Dave Lamort stopped by. Nick Fierro, the unofficial Gagoots, the Capadonna of our Wu-Tang Clan. Kerry Sullivan from Jersey Collective. My dear old friend Mark Moran came by. And so many of you, so many people out there who just listen and call and leave voicemails and enjoy the show. And that's on top of the fact that Ghost Talk was just packed out. It was a beautiful night for me. I brought Cal not only did he love the music, we got to stand in the back because Carson keeps it loud. But also Cal and I went to Rutt's Hut, brought him there for the first time. We're vegetarians, so we got egg and cheese sandwiches on the hard rolls. Some, split some cheese fries. And uh, he had birch beer for the second time in his life. Large birch. They said, this here to go. I said, this is here. This is not traveling. Those Frenchies aren't traveling. Give me those cheese fries here. Then we enjoyed the show, saw old friends. Got to meet and catch up with so many of the listeners who support the show. And then on the ride home, Cal had an emergency potty break. So we stopped at the Park West Diner, used the potty, and then he and I split some rice pudding. Which is a perfect night? Is that not a perfect night? Hallie, Hallie was at a birthday party with friends, so it was just me and him. We went to Rut's Hut, saw some bands, then went to the Park West. Ate rice pudding after seeing all these old friends. Perfect night. Perfect New Jersey night up and down Route 3, baby. Okay, this episode, very special one. This is a Mike D idea, and everybody knows if you listen to the show, Mike D is the one who actually strategizes and thinks of good ideas. Whereas I fart out random ideas, and Bonaduce just rolls with the punches. And that's the basic breakdown of our workflow. Mike D said, it's October, we gotta go big. Halloween is big in New Jersey. We all know that. Doesn't matter what your background is, what religion you are, what part of the state you live in. Halloween has a grip on this state, always has. It's one of the only places that has mischief night, which a lot of Jersey people don't realize. Google it. Not many people in the country have ever even heard of mischief night. Goosey night, cabbage night were some of the only ones. And on top of it, we go big. And a big part of that, I have to send my love again. Saw Mark Moran and his wife and one of his daughters and got to catch up with them. And 
I've said it on the show many times, but my relationship with Mark, we don't catch up as often as we used to, but the fact that he hired me to work at Weird New Jersey when I was young completely transformed my life. You've heard it talked about on this show many times. And that family to me exists somewhere between friend and family. And those are, those are some of the people that I would take a bullet for in this life. And obviously Weird New Jersey is the biggest reason that Halloween has such a cultural grip on our state. Maybe it's a chicken and egg thing. Maybe we loved all the scary stuff and Halloween stuff and that's what led to Weird New Jersey's rise. Maybe Weird New Jersey codified it and handed it to us and it became a point of pride that we went even bigger with moving forward. Maybe both are true. Who knows? Some cultural historian will study it someday when the very well-deserved breakdown of Weird New Jersey's influence on New Jersey culture is done. When some master's student at Rutgers puts that together for my old friends at the American Studies Department, they'll analyze it. What I know is uh, episodes like this would not be possible without Weird New Jersey. And I want to say much love to my friends over there. We're talking about scary stuff in New Jersey. We're talking about scary stuff. What's the actual scary stuff? That was Mike D's premise, the conceit. If you're looking to be actually scared on Halloween, because we all know there's many dozens, hundreds of places you could go, and a lot of them you will go, and you will enjoy your time with your friends, and you will giggle, and you will laugh, and then you will go to the diner afterwards, and you catch up. But are you going to be scared? Probably not. And then there's some places you can go where for a variety of reasons, you will be actually scared. So this is a real good combination of us looking at some of the classic spots that Weird New Jersey has shined a spotlight on and said... This one will actually freak you out. There is a lot of stuff that's maybe not in the weird New Jersey vein that we want to shine a spotlight on. And then I'm also lucky to know that because I worked there for half a decade, um, there were a lot of spots that I felt like scared me to my core that it was maybe hard to write the article about or it wasn't wasn't as much in the vein of what worked in the magazine, what would really pop in the magazine. So it never totally got its due, but I'm here now all these years later able to tell you like, no, this is one that when you go to it, it never caught fire in terms of the chatter about it, but it will scare you. So I'm happy to pull back the curtain a little bit on that one. This episode is so long and we knew going into it that we had so many examples that we do like a solid 45 to 50 minutes for the free feed and another solid 45 minutes just for the Patreons, the Patreon members. That's at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Thanks to everybody who supports us over there. So if you want the back half of this episode where we really pull back the curtains on something and it ends on something that I don't even like talking about, patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Well, you know what? I'm going to get going. This intro is already kind of long and I think you can hear my son yelling behind me as my wife blow dries her hair. So that's bad audio. But I'm not redoing this whole thing. Thanks to everybody who came out to Ghost Talk. So much love to Weird New Jersey. Issue 61 just came out and if you do not own it already, it's one of the best ever, which is so nuts. 61 issues in and they're still crushing the game. Here's our opinions on some of the spots where if you're looking for a Halloween drive or a Halloween hike or a Halloween uh, hike through your inner soul, these are some of the spots we recommend. Thanks, everybody. Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to a very special month at New Jersey is the World, let alone episode 
Uh, Mike D and I are here today. Bonaduce was having technical difficulties, unfortunately. But Mike pointed something out a few weeks ago. He said, people in New Jersey love Halloween. They love scary shit. We're one of the only states where Mischief Night is a thing. It makes me sad, honestly, that Mischief Night is sort of a dying thing. Weird New Jersey cultural institution here. It's part of the fabric of Jersey. We got to go big for October. And that's what we're now doing. Mighty, welcome. Welcome, welcome. I love this idea you had today to kick off our Halloween month celebration by just simply discussing what are some actually scary things and places in New Jersey. I mean, I'm super excited for Halloween. Um, I look forward to Halloween every year. And I thought it'd be really cool to, to start off by talking about places that are actually scary because I think, I mean, you and I, we've talked endlessly about these things. This is probably maybe the first thing that we ever bonded over as friends outside of music. I was just going to say the foundation of our friendship is probably actually weird New Jersey. Yes, that's, that's yeah, definitely true. And I think there's things that we talk a lot about that are sort of legends and they're really cool and interesting, but they're not very scary. So I was hoping we could maybe dive into some of the places that we've been to, or maybe at a few that we haven't been to, but have heard about that, that are actually terrifying for various reasons. And I was going to jokingly say, oh, we should start off with the DMV, but I think that kind of spoils the move, <laughs> even though I did actually see something that at the DMV recently that did actually put real fear into me because of the way people were behaving and acting. Right. That's the fear of humanity and what it's capable of, not the Halloween spookiness we're trying to capture. And I do just want to say much love to my old friends at Weird New Jersey. Um, Weird New Jersey just put out issue number 61, which is amazing to me. If I remember right, I think if I remember right, the first one I worked out for them was number 14. And they only put out two a year. It's just so wild to think to me that it's been 20 years since I worked for them. Um, but I just want to say this podcast would not exist without Weird New Jersey. It is inspired in so many ways by Weird New Jersey right there at the forefront, along with things like WFMU and so many of the music venues all over the state. But um, the last thing I'm trying to do is step on Weird New Jersey's toes. But I think we would agree, and I think everybody who loves Weird New Jersey would agree, one of the things you learn when you're in high school is that when you meet your friends who are willing to go on Weird New Jersey trips with you, it's a beautiful thing because it's it's something we have in this state that's an, it's almost like another version of when you find out who the other friends are that want to go see punk rock shows with you. You know, who wants to drive to the VFW hall to see some pop punk band? Who wants to be the one to go on a ride to go see a haunted tree in Bernardsville, right? It's, it's part of how you find your friend group. But one thing that I think we would all agree with when you really love that magazine is that the joy, you learn that the joy of Weird New Jersey adventures is not in actually experiencing fear 99% of the time. It's bonding with those other people who would be into that. It's letting your guard down on a long car ride and letting them know something it's going to it's going to the devil's tree trying to freak yourselves out probably nothing happens 
But then you wind up at a diner where somebody starts opening up about their parents' divorce or how they think they're bisexual and you get to know each other in a real honest way. And I'm saying that sort of facetiously, but also it's real. It's a culture building experience and it's a relationship building experience as much as a spooky experience. So I think it's really smart, Mike D, to say much love to everything from weird New Jersey. And this episode of New Jersey is the world is going to focus on things that we personally think turn that corner to being the actually scary ones. Yeah. And, and I think part of it too was when, when we were talking about a lot of this stuff is I don't really think I have too much more to add to the Clinton road story. You know, there's people out there who can tell that story better. I do want to discuss it as part of tonight's episode. I'll just say this, since you brought it up, because I wasn't sure if it was going to, I was thinking of all the classic weird New Jersey sites. And I will say Clinton Road, first of all, if you go drive Clinton Road during the day, it's one of the most beautiful places in New Jersey, a legitimately beautiful drive. It's great. I will say, I think part of why the legends endure up there some of it's because the neighbors get mad and chase people out. But most of it is, unlike a lot of the classic New Jersey spots, if you're on Clinton Road and you pull your car over and you turn the headlights off, it's a legitimate mindfuck how dark and desolate it feels out there. So I will say, I think part of why that is, uh, I think to my knowledge, still the only weird New Jersey spot that ever got its own special issue of just Clinton Road stories. Annie's Road didn't get that. Devil's Tower didn't get that. Devil's Tree didn't get that. Those are some of the really big ones. Clinton Road gets that. And I think it's legit. If you want to go and just have your heartbeat increase, it can happen on Clinton Road way more than a lot of the other classics. Well, no, I, I, I think that's an awesome place, but I just meant from my perspective, I don't think I can, ex like, I don't have anything to add to the Clinton Road story myself, right? I don't have any. Absolutely. We could, we're not going to I can't make it scarier than We're not going to reiterate all the legends you've heard, but I, I did want to give a special shout out to Clinton Road just of, you know, like when you go to Annie's Road, you might have a night where you get freaked out a little more than others, but you're still going to have a bunch of cars passing you as they come off of Route 46. Clinton Road is legit. You could turn the headlights off in your car and sit there for 10 full minutes and no other human soul is coming across your path and you can get deeply in your own head. So love to Clinton Road, but we're going to cut a little deeper than some of the classics. And I'm wondering how you want to start, Mike D, because I went and made a list. Mine, if you are a weird New Jersey fan, I will say mine, uh, this was fun for me because I dipped back 20 years to some of my personal knowledge of stuff that Maybe we wrote about in Weird New Jersey, maybe we didn't, but some stuff that I saw personally where I'm like, yeah, that was truly fucked up. Um, I think I'm going to start, I of course have a list too, because I love lists. I'm going to start with one that I think is a little bit off the beaten path. We've talked a little, we talked a little bit about this on a show a couple, a week or a month ago in passing, but it's a place that I recently visit visited it and it's both cool but extremely extremely spooky which is the horn antenna site now this place is i mean we, we talked a whole bunch about the history of it on another show it was where they discovered the big bang etc but this place is genuinely 
terrifying. So I went, um, I, I've been there pr- pretty recently. I actually went with Bonaduce and to, to find this place, it's behind, it's out of the way off this strange little road behind sort of some kind of technology campus. And you walk up this very narrow road on top of this, you know, big flat hill. And when you get up there, you feel like you're walking into stranger things. It is completely desolate except for this gigantic multiple story rusting metal machinery with chains hanging down. And I think because of like the elevation and the weather we were there, there was fog coming out of the ground. And the way that it's structured is there's a couple of these antennas and a couple buildings. You can't really see, you can see in a straight line, but there could be people or things hiding back there. And you can't really like get a good field of view until you, until you walk past certain buildings. And then this very creepy thing happened when we were there this last time is we were walking and there was sort of a very small maintenance building and we walked by and the door to the maintenance building was open, just sort of like a, you know, a generic wooden door. And inside there was a bike, an old BMX bike. It was like, that's kind of cool. A little bit creepy. Why would there be a kid's BMX bike up here? Not that strange. We go walk around. We probably spend like an hour away from here exploring the other parts of antennas. Um, you know, I'm shooting photos and then we start to walk back and the door to this maintenance shack is now shut, which I thought was very, very weird because there was no wind and it's so empty up there that if that old creaky door shut, we 100% would have heard that. This, this is a place where I genuinely you know, I was with, with Bada Deutsch and somebody else and all of us said something feels very weird and off here. Um, and I'm saying this now, not even, this isn't someplace I went as a teenager. This is someplace I went in, uh, you know, six weeks ago. It's, it's a creepy, creepy spot. And there is something about the connection between this space, place and outer space and signals coming down. Very, very stranger things vibe here, like a secret science lab right here in New Jersey. I love it. It's a great start. And, and remind me which town that's in? I believe it is in Holmdel, actually. Holmdel. Yeah, it's the highest point, yeah, that's- uh, I think, in, in Middlesex County. Or is that Monmouth County there? Holmdel, I, th- I don't know. Let's look now. This is one of those things that if I don't look it up, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Monmouth. Yeah, it's in Monmouth County. It's one of those. So I think it's the highest point there. It's my exact OCD. Is Homedale in Middlesex or Monmouth County? Well, I'm not going to fucking sleep tonight. Let me look that up real quick. Monmouth County. I love that start. And I wish I went on that trip with you guys. Um, But I'll go back. (laughs) Mike D, I know you would. This is like, have to be clear to people. The basics of our friendship were this. You and my older brother were in the same grade. I was his little brother. Everybody, all his friends thought I was weirdly funny for a kid who was little. And oftentimes when people would come to pick up my brother, he would be sound asleep in his room in the attic and or quote unquote sound asleep, which meant discovering his teenage body in his room in the attic. And then his friends would come and have to hang out with me and wait until he quote unquote woke up and they'd play Sega Genesis in my room. And I got to know all his friends. And to this day, he will sometimes, if he's mad at me, be like, you stole my friends. I'm like, I didn't steal your friends. You left your friends in our house with no one to talk to. So they talked to me. I got to know you a little bit through that. Then when I got to Rutgers, 
my freshman year was your senior year. But I think maybe because you most of your roommates wound up doing a fifth year. Yes. The Eleven Robinson house. So we were in New Brunswick for like two years together. And by that point, I had gotten heavily into Weird New Jersey and was hired to work there sophomore year. And it was a true bonding point for us because you were my brother's friend who knew about the bin and Monk's Castle and all that stuff. So that was where we really bonded. And it leads pretty directly to today. It's a nice thing to think about. Now, I'm thinking of some of the things I remember from Weird NJ specifically that were like, they never caught the hype of some of the big ones, some of the sensational ones. Um, but some that just personally freaked me out that I remember going to see. So here's a good one. And the people from this area will know what I'm talking about. Um, so up in Bergen County, you've got Alpine. And when you think Alpine and weird New Jersey, you think Devil's Tower. Now, you and I have been to the Devil's Tower together at least once. I think more than that. I think more than once. And once we had a spooky yeah. incident there. Yeah. And everybody knows you go, you drive around the Devil's Tower backwards a few times. The devil appears. It's fun. You know, you eat some edibles with your friends. You go out and do it. You have a good time. You, maybe you see a celebrity rapper or comedian's house on the way. Who knows? But one thing that we got letters about and when i went to check it out i was like this is legit fucked i would say far scarier than the devil's tower is and i'm gonna start getting specific man so you could just go a little bit south on 9w and you will see and i i'll also be clear about this some of these are things i haven't gone to in 10 15 years so i want to be very clear about that but if you go a little south on 9w of the devil's tower there's a golf course and in the midst of that golf course is a dirt road. It's like a blink and you'll miss it type thing. If you're not looking for it, you might not even see this thing. And I remember, if I remember, we got a letter that claimed it was a comp compound where a bunch of albinos lived, but like many things with weird New Jersey, it's one of those things that I look back and I go, let's maybe I should have spent less of my life um, tormenting albi people with al albinism. Um, but regardless of the urban legend attached to it, when you go down this road, it's this long dirt road through the woods, and then you come upon a stone wall that's probably knee high or waist high. And you drive along that on your right for a while. And I guarantee people who grew up up there are going, holy shit, this was the far scarier thing. And eventually there's a house set very far back from that road and that stone wall. And the house has clearly been there for a long time. Um, but it has an instant vibe of like, stay the fuck away. And in the tree by the stone wall, by the front walk of the house, whoever lives there has hung a number of nooses. And it's one of those very sobering things. I remember when you work at Weird New Jersey where I would go, people to this day will ask me about Weird New Jersey and they find out I worked there and it still buys me so much street cred in this state. Honestly, as it should, I will take that street cred. Best fucking job I've ever had. I wish I got that job when I was 26 instead of 19. If I got that job when I was 26, I would be happily working there to this day. But I was young. 
I had dreams of my own to chase. I went and I chased them. But people ask me, oh, did you ever see any haunted shit working for them? And I go, what you want to know about is not the haunted shit. It's when human involvement gets involved that these things can get really scary. Because this idea that albinos live in the woods, albinos have never done anything bad to me. This is one of those things where people who are different take shit and we fear them and you get older, you realize that you have some compassion. But whoever was there who wanted people to stay the fuck away that they bought this mansion that's like ramshackle mansion that's down the end of a dirt road and then they hung nooses in the trees to tell people to stay the fuck away, that was chilling. That was chilling to realize that was there. The people, it's, it's interesting because people or the fear of people are generally what makes a lot of places scarier, right? For instance, when, you know, we've talked endlessly about the bin, right? The old Overbrook Asylum. And the scariest thing about that, that we would sort of on the way there all talk about was we were worried about the other people that were going to yeah. be there and might be wandering around the tunnels and what they would what they might possibly do. Like we weren't worried about the ghost of, you know, old patients coming out to scare us. We were worried about, you know, skinheads with with axes. Um, you know, which was 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 an actual thing. Or even last weekend I was <laughs> I was Bonaduce and I were were exploring an an, an abandoned factory together and we we heard something moving around in there that that I'm pretty sure was a person that we had like scared and that was much creepier than you know anything else worried about the the ghost of a factory worker who was mangled in a machine or something you know it was the the person who was yeah. probably hiding out there that's what's terrifying about places that are so remote like that and now you're talking about the bin and this idea of other people and I'll tell you a story I never forgot just when you were my older brother's friend, because I don't think Greg ever went to the bin, but he was, you guys had gotten to know each other when you all had just gotten into that heavy phase of wanting, of going to the bin a lot. And I remember hearing some story from my brother that you guys were up there. And I, this is, again, something I heard, was told when I was 13 or 14 years old. So you can correct my memories from 30 years ago. But I remember being so scared hearing that you guys went up there and there was some bonfire and there were skinheads around it. And you guys were like 50 yards away at the edge of the woods or something, watching it and trying to figure out if you should go into the buildings or get out of there. And a woman appeared and told you, get the fuck out of here. These people, like I'm with them and they're bad news and you're in a lot of danger. Get out of here. And I remember that one really, really scaring me to my core. That story is 99.9% accurate. The only difference is she didn't tell us to get out of here, which this actually made it even scarier. She came up to us and she said, you have to leave. This isn't for you, oh. which to me is kind of even creepier than that. But every everything else that, that the regulator related to that story was yeah, 100% accurate. That was very, very scary going up there and finding a huge group of people with like a big fire going. And I don't... I don't want to call it a ritual because that's going to give it sort of, you know, satanic panic overtones. But they were, they were doing something ceremonial there, like a large. Group and this of was people. some kind of pre-planned gathering. Whatever was happening was like an organized gathering of people with bad intentions. 
Yeah. And a lot, and it wasn't just, it wasn't five high school kids who were bored that night. This was a large, this was like 40 or 50 people, like adults, um, you know, not, not high school kids looking to get scared at the old abandoned asylum. No. Now I want to reveal something that I, I can't, I don't even think I've told you this yet, Mike D, but I'm doing something this year that I think you'll be simultaneously like, oh, that's hilarious. And also like, what the fuck is wrong with you? So, you know, I like to go really big with my Halloween decorations. Yes. I've seen these. I've witnessed this. I've gone every year. I go a little bit bigger. So I moved out to Morris County and I, you know, people know Morris County. There's areas that are really spread out. And then all of a sudden you get to a neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood. So what I didn't realize living out here is that when you live in one of these neighborhoods that's surrounded by like farms and mansion area, but you're in a pretty normal neighborhood, that's the walkable area. So on Halloween, we get like over 200 kids ringing our doorbell because the whole area sends their kids here because it's walkable. So we moved in in May of 2020, bought in January of 2020, got delayed by the pandemic, finally moved in. Our neighbors were all like, just so you know, everybody goes big on Halloween. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, well, you motherfuckers don't know who you're messing with. Like, I have an, a literal encyclopedic knowledge. Like, it is not an exaggeration for me to say that I helped write the book on scary shit in New Jersey. Okay. Co wrote Weird New Jersey, Volume One and Volume Two, and Weird US. And I wrote Weird New York and I ghost wrote a lot of the other states' books. So, I'm like, if people go big here, I got to go big. Now, what I didn't realize is that this meant for them meant like, oh, I have a big light up Slimer from Ghostbusters inflatable. Or like, I got a big, big giant spider web with a big purple spider with a grin on its face. It's all cartoonish stuff. I went out that year. I bought zombie babies. I bought shit that when you walk past it, it moves and screams at you. Lighting scheme. People thought I was insane. The first year people were like, this may be a madman who's moved into Morris County. This may be an actual madman. But now they've come to love it. And some of my neighbors have started to kind of get competitive with me, which I love because now there's like three or four scary lawns. And I go a little bigger each year. Now this year, Mike D, is the first year I'm going to surprise my neighbors I have purchased and or built three different things that tie into weird New Jersey stories in the area and ordered signage to explain what they are, which is admittedly the crazy part. Like I have... um like I live in Morris County, so I, I'm trying to make sure I also don't reveal too much about where I live because I have had, as you know, some intense situations where like a stalking thing. So I don't ever say the town. People who listen to the show have respected this greatly, that I live in Morris County and I generally say that. So I live near Morristown. So like I'm not f- too far from the devil's tree. So I'm going to set up a stand with a big piece of bark on it, like nailed down to it. And I have a sign that was like, so... The devil's tree is a few towns away and it is said that if you touch it, you will die. Do you have the gumption to touch this bark from that cursed tree? And I'm going to like, I have that sign. Like when I tell you, this is not theoretical. This is not a thing I'm shit talking saying I'm going to do. The sign has been delivered. It is in my garage. I am making a facsimile 
of the Headless Hessian, who's a popular ghost in the Morris County area, in the Great Swamp, Jockey Hollow region. Now, Melissa, who is a listener of the show and a costume designer, I've been messaging her about how to do it. And I have a sign that's like, so ever since the Headless Hessian lost his head in the Revolutionary War, he's wandered these parts and been seen for hundreds of years. So I'm now, my lawn is now going to be like half scary ghost shit and half folk history of New Jersey. This is how crazy I get about Halloween. Is it actual bark from the devil's tree? I haven't decided yet. I don't know if I got the balls for that. I mean, yeah, so I was just say I wouldn't, but that's just me. Right. I'll just get some random bark from some random tree. These kids don't need to know. Yeah. It don't make me a bad guy. <laughs> don't make you a bad guy. I love this shit so much. All right. Whose turn is it? Who's next? Uh, More scary places. Oh, and just to give everybody a heads up, this episode, we're going to do about 45 to 50 minutes on the free feed, and then we're going to finish off with some stuff on the Patreon feed. So thanks to everybody who signed up at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. And I will tell you, there's one place that I went to that led to some scary, weird New Jersey shit that you know about, but we never actually wrote about the original spot. And I can tell you that it's, it was chilling when I went there years ago. I don't know if it's still chilling, but that one I'm going to save for my behind the paywall selection because it's wild. It's wild. Should uh, <clears throat> should we talk about the the Penn Station ghost train? Yeah, I feel like this is a good one that I wanted to bring up. Now, this is a very famous one, but I, I have to admit, I was ignorant to it. You you are the one who told me about this. I think this might have been an Essex County heavy legend because it's definitely something I remember hearing about when I was a kid. You know, this was definitely a a scary uncle story, you know, something. And to be better. fair, you grew up in Newark and Belleville, all these yeah. places right next to North Penn Station. Yeah, it loomed it loomed large. Riding the city subway, you had to <laughs> pass through Newark Penn Station. But there was this legend that people would always tell that on the that there was a, you know, as as these legends go, some type of of um on the tenth of every month at midnight if you were in Newark Penn Station, which should be honestly terrifying on its own to just be hanging around there at, at midnight randomly uh, with nowhere to go, that if you were to be observant there and be on a certain set of unused tracks at that moment, you would hear and see a ghost train pull into Newark Penn Station. So if you go there at the 10th of every month at midnight, you would you would you know find this like spectral train pulling in something about ghost trains i find really really spooky um right because they're you know sort of inanimate objects that for some reason are like trying to complete a journey that they could not complete while they were here on earth it's there's something about trains yeah that have always that have always kind of spooked me a little bit and we were saying to to Carson earlier, who does live near near Newark Penn Station, that in a, in a few days from now, when it's the tenth, that he should go and observe this to see if it's actually true. That would be a pretty cool thing to do. One hundred percent, it is true. Um, I did notice back in my weird New Jersey days. I started to realize a lot of times you would find that ghost stories surrounded rivers, sewage systems, train tracks these things that kind of like cut through the order, you know, 
I don't know exactly why that is, but the things that sort of like, so you've got a suburb with a laid out plan and then the train track cuts through that and disrupts that. And, you know, one of the most famous ghosts in New Jersey is the hooker man out in long Valley hooker man, train track driven ghost. And that's all over the country. There's a lot of train related ghosts, both tying into the folklore of trains and train tracks themselves. And also sometimes just, Oh, weird. We're at a haunted place and there's a train track nearby. I don't know why those things are so tied together. Have you seen the Hookerman lights? I have, and it's very, very strange. I've never seen the oh. actual lights. I did one time, I was once up on those train tracks with my friend Pat Cobb in high school and a few of our buddies, and we got so scared, and we all busted our ass falling down a hill running down those train tracks. A, a number of years ago, I was out there with one of our friends, and we were hiking nearby, and when we were done hiking, he said, let's go check out the the hookerman thing. Like he, he knew kind of the exact area you were supposed to go. Um, and we went just like as it got dark. And sure enough, we did see what people refer to as the hookerman lights. And I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that there's like a, like a physics explanation for why people see those lights so consistently, but it is very, very spooky. Like you're in this pretty remote, part of the state, right? I mean, obviously there's train tracks, so it's not completely isolated, but there's not much around. There's kind of scrubby woods. And then off in the distance, you will see flickering, which at first looks like it's fireflies, but then you realize it's like much more consistent and much bigger and brighter than than a fire, than the light that a firefly would make. So it's very, very creepy to walk there. It's the kind of thing where like, Instead, like when we wanted to leave, we were walking backwards because we didn't want to turn our back to the light. <laughs> Maybe that's just my own superstition or just how, you know, spooked I was at the time. But it's a, it's a creepy one that the hooker mid is worth going to visit. I'll also say too, again, the human involvement in things. When you go and look for the hookerman, I remember being a, a, a high school kid before I ever worked at Weird New Jersey. And while you're out in that area in Flanders, you do wind up driving past this old kind of ramsackle church called the Church of the Mystic Light, which obviously ties right into all the stories you hear about the Hookerman. And you're also left wondering, like, what the fuck is the Church of the Mystic Light? Which I think as I look it up is maybe abandoned now. <laughs> That's right in that area. And I would say that's one of those things too, that you go, you're like um, looking for the Hookerman ghost. And even if you don't see that light bouncing around, it's a pretty creepy church named Church of the Mystic Light. And that ain't bad. That ain't bad. That's a very good name for a creepy church too, especially one that- Oh yeah, man. And it is not hard to make a church creepy. Yeah, have to wonder who named, like a group of people got together, founded a church and named it the Church of the Mystic Light. Did these people want to be viewed as uh, creeps, as creepy? Because that's what you're doing when you pick that name. I mean, this is in Brooklyn, but there's a, a famous church in South Brooklyn called the Church of the Most Precious Blood, which is, I would say, also a very creepy name, but also... For people who are like us punks and hardcore bands, there is a pretty well-known hardcore band called Most Precious Blood, which features Justin Brandon, who was my local city councilman in South Brooklyn when I lived there. 
And now is now is city that, council, yeah. now is city councilman who's making headlines warring with Brooklyn's Democratic machine. Yeah, he's a good guy. Tangled up in a fight. I've heard nothing but great things. One other spooky place, just on the idea of like people making it more spooky than it is. Because I I have a funny story about this one is the Atco Ghost, which I think is like a. Oh, you do another. That's a big one. Yeah. So <clears throat> for. So the echo, this is the way that I heard the echo ghost story the first time. It was when, when the first time I heard this story is when we were at Rutgers and we had some friends and, and one of them, she grew up right by there and she's like, Oh, I'll take you to see the echo ghost. Um, and so when we were driving there. She told us the story and it's on a road, which I think is called Burnt Mill Road. I'll have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's the road, but it's this sort of like very wooded, like, fairly, you know, fairly isolated side road. And as we were driving up there, she said the story was there was, you know, a family that lived on this road and they had a young kid and, you know, their kid was in the street playing and he ran into the street dribbling his basketball. And unfortunately it was dark and he was hit by a car and killed on this road. So if you take your car and you drive to the end of Burnt Mill Road and when you get to the end, it's sort of like, it's not quite a dead end, but it's almost like a stopped intersection. You stop at this dead end and you flick the headlights on your car three times and you will see a kid, a small child run across the street dribbling a basketball. So a bunch of us got into the car and we drive from New Brunswick down to, um, down to Burnt Mill Road in South Jersey. And we, she's just told us this echo ghost story and we get to the end of the road and we, we shut the car off and our friend, um, she flashes the headlights on the car three times. And when she flashes them, a basketball comes bouncing across the road and all of us, like we hit the roof and we immediately freak out. And our friend who's driving, you know, she goes to like hit the car in reverse. Um, and when she turns the headlights fully on to like back out of this, these like three teenage like metal heads come off to the side of the road. They're pointing at us and laughing. God bless and them. this is a case where, where clearly they, God bless their them. hobby was clearly maybe they lived there or close by as they would wait on weekend nights for people to come and flash their headlights. And then they would bounce a basketball, which to me is both one, they gave us 45 seconds of possibly one of the most terrified I've ever been in my entire life. But also that is one of the greatest scary pranks yeah. that you can play on someone. I mean, that is like yeah. top notch. I will offer up one that I think about often. I just did a show in Middlesex County at Pino's Highland Park. Great, great spot. Um, and it had me thinking about my Middlesex County days. And I wound up talking on stage about this. So maybe it's on my mind, but I remember it so, so vividly. There's a place in Old Bridge called the Kill Yourself Bridge. Yes. Where you drive down Route 18 and make a couple turns and all of a sudden you are on these dirt and sand roads. And if you know the series of turns to make, first you go past some ramshackle buildings and then you come to this area where there's this cement it's not even like a huge bridge. It's just over a little creek, but there's a concrete barrier and it has to be gone now unless someone's gone back and filled it in. But in big giant, I think it was orange and blue letters. It just said, kill yourself in these like three foot high letters. And I'll say I've been to so many, so many scary places in New Jersey, but something about that one, because first of all, the people in the area 
used to like hang dummies from the trees, which like you said about the basketball is a good way to fuck with people, but you know, somebody's back there fucking around. But it, there was also something so strange about something that felt that surreal on this dirt road when you can still hear Route 18 in the distance. You know what I mean? It's one thing to be someplace that's totally desolate. It's another place for it to be like, oh, I could probably walk to those malls out on Route 18 from here. It, it would be a long walk, but I could probably walk to a fucking mall. And that's one of the things that Jersey has that I think a lot of places actually don't, which is like, you know, you think about like the stories of this famous haunted church in Kansas and this place called Stull that supposedly if you throw bottles against the walls, they don't break and the Pope won't fly his plane directly above it and all this funny stuff. But it's like, yeah, that's in the middle of a desolate area in Kansas. And that's scary in its own way. But what Middlesex County, I think, truly represents in the state in some ways is like, here's route 18. Here's route one. Here's where they smash together. Here's fucking Rutgers. Here's everybody on top of everybody. Old bridge, Saraville, commerce and hotels right out on the highway, apartment complexes right off the highway. And then right in the middle of all that, this weird desolate patch where you're in the middle of nowhere. And if you go there on a moonlit night, there's just a fucking bridge where someone wrote, kill yourself in three foot high letters. And you just wonder who's been back here doing what. And in a lot of ways, that's as scary to me as being in the basement of the abandoned asylum in North Princeton and hearing footsteps above my head, which also happened to me. Middlesex County is really, really fascinating. In a way, I think it's kind of the most New Jersey County, the more I think of it, because there's so many pockets of humanity right on top of each other. And then there's still all these little fucking hidden, weird, unexplained things that have a dark vibe to them all over that county. I mean, I obviously love Middlesex because that's where I live. And it's true. I mean... This the factory that I was talking about earlier with Nick, you know, where where Nick and I just were. I mean, this is a massive factory complex, and it's not a mile from you know, like a diner or like any. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, but when you get there, it's that forced sense. There's actually something like what you're saying, Chris. Like it's even creepier that forced sense of isolation, knowing you're somewhere that is very terrifying, yet you could see the lights of the mall on Route 18. There's something that kind of ratchets up the spookiness when you're at a place like that. Um, it intensifies it, I think. Passaic County has that too. I would say that that's like, um, you know, someplace I'm going to talk about later actually is spitting distance from the Willowbrook Mall. The gates of hell in Clifton that was so legendary. It's next to a train station in Clifton, you know? That's one of the sick areas. Sick County so. has a similar things. Yeah. Yeah. Gates of hell is. Have you, I've never climbed down into them. I know exactly where they are and I've seen them, but I've never climbed down there. I went once um, many years ago and it was really, really scary. Um, I mean, I think part of it, it was, it was scary in a common sense engineering way where, you're walking down in these tunnels and this could fill with water at any second. It feels like it could possibly collapse. Um, you could definitely get lost down there. But then again, there's the human factor. 
you know that other groups of kids and probably not even kids, who knows, is wandering down there. They probably don't have the best intentions. And then that was one of the few places where the legend actually scared me, where it was like, this is an entrance to hell. And, you know, I don't even... I don't really believe in a in a hell necessarily, but I sure did when I was walking around there, and I was very concerned about taking a wrong turn and ending up, um, you know, in, in somewhere in Dante's circle. Now, Mike D, why don't we each share one more for the free feed and thank everybody for listening, and and also say we're going to have an extension of this episode go up on the uh, Parkway tier of. Of patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. So we don't do too much rattling to try to drive people over there, but we have a really great time over there. And we're going to, Mike T, let's you and I each list one. And then I have two or three others that I want to put out there. Uh, one, a scary place that I don't think New Jersey knows much about that I know about. I'm also going to speak to a place that I once read a weird New Jersey story that scared me so much that I've actually avoided the town it's in. So I'm going to talk about that and which story actually got under my skin. But why don't we each share one more for the free feed people and much love to the free feed people for supporting the show. I think, yeah. And well, I mean, you explained it pretty well and we're not doing this because we're selfish and trying to force you into the Patreon. It's just that we have so many things we want to talk about. We can't possibly horn them into one yeah. <laughs> normal sized episode. <laughs> Um, indeed indeed i think a place that's really scared me was when i went to what i i don't know what this place is actually called i don't even know if it has a name when i went to the ship graveyard which is mm. near camden along the delaware river this was a very very scary place um to to get there on one side there's sort of a you know, a, a junkyard, which was actually guarded by real guard dogs, scary, terrifying, big mastiffs. Um, and the other way to go is you're basically walking through the very polluted shallows of this stretch of the Delaware River, where there are a lot of people living. There are encampments there, you know, people are hanging out, they're living there, they're partying, and you come through a stretch of 12 foot tall weeds that you can't really see more than a foot or two in front of you. More mosquitoes than I've ever seen in one place. I was literally cleaning mosquitoes out of my camera lenses, which is gross and not easy to do. But you come out of this sort of clearing into the weeds and all of a sudden there are 30 to 40 abandoned boats, some in the water, some on the land. And these are not dinghies. I mean, some of them, one of them I know for a fact is a former light ship. If people have ever been to the frying pan in New York, which is now turned into a nightclub, this is the exact time of boat, boat is that. So we're talking about a huge ship. You know, it's got a 60 foot mast light tower. It's probably 120 feet long. It's standing 25 feet above the water. And there are all these boats there. There are sailboats, motorboats, and they're all just sort of, it looks like someone dropped them out of the sky onto the land here. And they're in all varying states of decay and they're rusted and creepy. And it's scary because again, you're completely isolated. If something happened, it would be nearly impossible for anyone to help you, but you can look directly across the water and see Philadelphia. I mean, it's right there, but it's not there. So you're, you can see it, but help is very far. And then even 
climbing up onto those ships. Um, it's creepy. You know, the, the floors are rotted out. There's rusted chains everywhere. And the noises that ships make sound like people walking around and the water is lapping up. That's one of the scarier places that I've been in a long time. Actually, I, I really do want to go back there when the, when the weeds are not as bad, like maybe in the winter and see what it looks like at that time of year too. Really, really cool, spooky place. I'll leave the free feed with a heavy hitter from my own experience, which is one of the great thing, like when I worked at Weird New Jersey, you got to remember, I was, Mike, you can vouch for me. I was as encyclopedic a fan of Weird New Jersey as you were going to find anywhere. Rutgers, we would all sit around telling stories. I'd be like, that's on issue eight, page 11. I know exactly what we're talking about. Let's look it up. Let's go there. Let's do it. Now, when I got the job there, I would go through all the emails and organize them and copy edit them and mark which ones had good potential. So it was this ultimate fan experience of like, I'm already this kid who loves driving around the state doing this. And now it's like, I get to listen to the singles before they put the single out. You know what I mean? I get, I get early access to everything. I'm like the only employee of this company. So we started getting letters that referenced a place called Bamber Lake. Bamber Lake is part of Lacey Township in Ocean County and Lacey Township in general. It's it's down near Tom's River. I would just say in general, Lacey Township, kind of a weird vibe. Just did a show there in Lonoka Harbor, which is another part of Lacey Township at Yearbook Records. Fantastic fucking place, by the way. Like my dream. It just sells records, comics, old toys, and candy. It's a great, great place. Shout out to Yearbook Records. But Bamber Lake, we would get letters and they would just be kind of vague. Like some that just said straight up, like there's this place, Bamber Lake, you kind of got to drive over a bridge to get to it. And then you're in the pines and it's just weird. And then some that had specific stories that I, I can't recall off the top of my head, only because my experience there outweighed any of the stories I ever heard about it. So I was at Rutgers and me and my roommates were bored one night. This was after you had left town and everybody was talking about how they were bored and had nothing to do. And sometimes after I had the weird New Jersey job, people would turn to me and be like, do you have, let's do a road trip. What's good. And for some reason I was like, you know what? There's this place down in, to me, again, I know people fight about it. Ocean County to me, it feels South Jersey. Certainly back then I was like, there's this place I read about Bamber Lake and I hear it's fucked up. So I drove down there with a few of my, my roommates. And uh, we made our way all the way down the parkway. It was a little further than we expected. We are making our way down there. And it was the middle of the night. And I will never forget, Mike, do you get back there? There's dirt roads everywhere. It's real easy. It's one of those places, again, in New Jersey that I bet other places don't have to the same degree we have, which is like, whoa. I turned down some dirt road and I've made two other turns and I know I'm still super close to the main roads and I know I'm pretty close to the parkway, but if I had to fucking get out of here right now, I'm all turned around. And that took like three turns and I'm turned around, you know? So we're driving around these dirt roads and I'm driving and we come around a corner and we see placed equidistance from each other three black garbage bags blocking the road full of something just one two three across the road and i hit the brake 
and we come to a stop and it's the middle of the night. We're on these dirt roads down in the pines. This is, you know, you know, this area It's down here. I think double trouble state park is the one down there. Yeah. Um, I should, I should double check that before I say it, but I think it's right there. Um, so, you know, that area, like it gets desolate fast and let me see if that's right. Yeah. Not too far, not too far at all. Um, and dude, I'll never forget. We hit the brakes. There's these three garbage bags across the road. It's the middle of the night. We're in this area. We don't know. And one of my roommates just goes, somebody put those there because they want us to get out of the car and clear them. And we all just went fucking silent. Cause it was one of those things where as soon as he said it, we were all like, that's, yep. that is so clearly what's happening here of like, somebody's fucking watching us and somebody did this on purpose. We got to get the fuck out of here right now. And I can tell you that, that, that visceral fear, I never forgot it. I never forgot what that felt like. It was fucked up, man. It's fucked up. That's even just thinking about it, because in my head, my immediate reaction would be to, oh, get out of the car and move those. I wouldn't have even clocked the idea of what your roommate said, which which is totally sound sound way of thinking. <laughs> yeah. And, and who knows? Maybe somebody was just fucking with us, but somebody did that on purpose. And it's also one of those things that's like, we're just driving around. We don't have a destination in mind. There's no need for us to get beyond these garbage bags. And now that he said that, there's no way we're getting out of the fucking car. We're throwing it in reverse and getting out of here, man. And that was the only time I've been to Bamber Lake. And I still, man, when I think about that area, I'm like, ooh, whatever that was that happened to me 20-something years ago, that sent, like, chill down my spine doesn't begin to explain what it felt like. When we paused, that moment of confusion, and then he just goes, somebody put those there on purpose. They want us to get out of the car. And then more silence. Whoo, not good. Yeah, that's on the back end of Double Trouble State Park, right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. I know where that, I've never been, but I know that area. I want to thank everybody listening on the free feed. There's more things to say. I've got two really solid ones that I want to put on the agenda they're going to be at over at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. I know, Mike, you have a few more you want to throw into the mix as well. Sure do. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And thanks to the patrons. You're going to get a little more bang for your buck this week. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the world. New Jersey is the world is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D., and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. 
Yep, merch. Which you can find at belowthecollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.